0: Hey everyone I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by We Are One Composites and Proof, and there's some competitions and discount codes coming up just for you. We Are One Composites make top quality carbon stuff in Loops in Canada. That sounds simple but this talented team really do sweat every detail to make sure that the products are incredible. I've been using their wheels for a long time now and you'll probably already know that I'm a big fan. They bring a ride feel that balances stiffness and compliance to create something that goes where you put it and doesn't punish a lack of precision by pinging you off each and every obstacle like some stiffer wheels can. The finish is immaculate inside and out and I'm at the end of my second year on this set of wheels and bar a few cosmetic scratches from riding and crashing in rocks, they're still true and tight with zero maintenance. If that's not enough, we are one have recently launched their first bike, the Arrival. I've not had a chance to ride one yet, but I have seen the images and you can see their incredible attention to detail has been applied to every design choice they've made. Due to the ongoing insane demand in the industry and for We Are One products in particular, we're not able to offer you a discount on complete wheels. But the team really wanted to do something for downtime listeners. So for the month of November, you can get 15% off rim only products by using the code WE Supply 2021 at the checkout over at We One Composites.com. That's WE Supply 2021, all lowercase, over at We One Composites.com. The Nukeproof Autumn Winter Clothing Range is here, providing some great options to keep you warm, dry and comfortable as the weather turns. I've pretty much lived in their Merino base layers since they arrived and I think I've worn them on every ride in the last six weeks. They're mega comfy and they're a great natural fabric for when the weather is a bit chillier. The Blackline Winter Club has also come into its own as the temperature has dropped here in the UK. They've got a windproof, waterproof and breathable top layer that keeps out the worst of the weather, but with a non-bulky Clarino palm that means you'll still get that feel between you and the bike that's all important. In addition, there's the Blackline waterproof and softshell jackets, which you'll hopefully have heard me talk about on other episodes this month, and a super comfy pair of merino socks too. You can check out the entire range over at nukeproof.com. If you want to sample the Nukeproof autumn winter gear for yourself then we have a chance for you to win your very own black line waterproof jacket along with a set of Sam Hill signature grips and Sam Hill pedals. All you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash nukeproof enter your email and answer a very easy question before the 9th of December when Nukeproof will pick a winner at random. Not long to go now so head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash nukeproof and get your entry in. Christmas is getting closer, and if you're looking for the perfect gift for your riding buddies, a partner who rides, or for yourself, then a subscription to Downtime EP and a Downtime Herder or T-shirt should be on your list. If you're keen to get your copy of Downtime EP, Mountain Bike's newest print journal, then you can head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a Downtime Herder or T-shirt, then you can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably going to be a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com slash subscribe where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. Also, it'd be great if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on and it's always great to chat with you in the comments and the messages there. All right, this week I'm joined by Matthew Dupel. Next year, will mark Matthew's 20th year on the World Cup scene, working with some of the best riders on the planet. We sat down to chat about Matthew's time with the syndicate, looking after riders like Steve Peat and Nathan Rennie. We cover his time with the late, great Stevie Smith and the last 10 years that he's been working with Connor Fear on over at Kona. Matthew has some great stories from back in the day and some awesome insight into the sport. What goes on in team manager meetings? What does it take to do well at an EWS these days? We cover all that and plenty more. So, Without further ado, here's Matthew Dupel. Matthew Dupel, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things?
1: Very good. Thank you very much for uh, having me.
0: Ah, it's, an, it's an absolute pleasure. Let's start where we start a lot of these things. Just tell us a little bit about how mountain bikes became part of your life.
1: Well, yeah, I feel like uh, if I say this, I feel kind of old. But when I was uh, <laughs> when I was uh, thirteen twenty seven years ago um <laughs> um i I started taking just a bike I had at home and going in random trails to go to school and um then with another friend, we went in there, did some little jumps and got some cool turns and stuff like that and that's uh then kind of got hooked and stayed on there and uh, kept going.
0: Nice. Where did you grow? Is it near Montreal?
1: Yeah, near uh, it's uh, west of, uh, uh, off of the island of Montreal. Uh It's another little island which uh, basically uh, at that time was farms and stuff like that, but now it's turned into all real estate and nice houses. But but, yeah, very wooded area next to a field, like in the front and woods in the back. So spent uh, all my... uh, all my young time outside pretty much with the dogs. Yeah.
0: Was <laughs> and, there much of a riding scene there back then? Cause that would have been fairly early in the days of mountain biking. Sort of when I, I was young, I guess, and getting into it as well.
1: Yeah. Um, stuff started the, uh, so basically, basically 95 started a lot of, uh, a lot more mountain biking. Mountain biking was kind of what we're seeing right now as everybody needed one. Okay like right now is is ridiculous of the amount of people that uh, are needing to go mountain biking and uh, and are excited about it so back at that time was to me the first initial push maybe somebody else who's has more uh more um <clears throat> i would say experience or maybe a bit older than i am I probably saw something else but i remember being like braumont was starting to run the chairlifts uh they had the world champs in 1992 here
2: yeah.
1: and um and yeah it, it that's when it first started and then 2000s kind of went uh went flat a bit i would say and then yeah. picked back up but it was was the new new greatest thing i think at that time anyway for me being uh being uh 14 15 years old and um and uh waiting for the mountain bike action to come out or at the newsstands and looking whatever happened three months ago <laughs> somewhere it's not like these days where you hop on the hop on pink bike <laughs> or uh, vital or anywhere and and like you said this thing our, our podcast will be on air next week which is is great but yeah. back in the day it, it, there there was a whole world cup season filmed and uh, you waited to buy the VHS like in december of that year <laughs> yeah it's after.
0: insane hey eh? yeah. things have changed a lot yeah.
1: yeah and you
0: you got quite into the racing side of things back then yeah kind of some of the canadian cups a bit of norba
1: yeah uh we uh we we have we have uh, actually in quebec we had a, a pretty good racing scene as far as xc goes and um and uh, downhill back in the day and started doing all of those. And I think 1999, 2000 started more doing Canada cups and trying to get, trying to save all my pennies to get across Canada or go somewhere further away. And we went to Vermont, the first Norbus in 2002, well, not the first Norbus but for me in 2001, 2002. Mm And, um, then 2003 met some people and started working uh, uh, I worked for the SRAM distributor at that time uh, while I was still in college and uh, went to some of the races and met some people from bike shows and stuff like that and that, in 2003 started the working at the SRAM truck at the Canadian events
0: uh got you. So that was your kind of way into working at events then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. uh, uh, which, uh, which, uh, uh, met, uh, uh, a good friend, John Dawson, which is still at the races today. And, uh, he brought me along and saw that I wasn't, uh, I knew what I was doing on the bikes and I didn't act like an idiot. So he, <laughs> he brought, he brought me along to some of the other races. He got me a job at syndicate, uh, the two thousand five, six, seven, and then went to live in Germany for a year. I don't know if I'm going too quick, but yeah
0: you get well. Tell it, us a little bit about Syndicate days. Was that was that sort of Syndicate before it was even known as the Syndicate? When it was like just uh, the Santa Cruz.
1: There was uh, a, the Syndicate. The so Darren Stockton uh, owned the team at that time. And 2003, which it was like Gary and Rich Houseman,
3: mm-hmm.
1: that wasn't the syndicate yet. But okay. uh, then they made the syndicate in 2000, yeah, 2004, uh, Santa Cruz syndicate with Nathan Rennie, Kurt Voorhees, Cam Zinc, and Henry O'Donnell and um, and uh, John Waddell tagged along after his big crash in 2003, mm-hmm. which he was on the original uh santa cruz team yeah so <clears throat> then it went on from there being the syndicate which was 2004 to now
0: yeah 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 so you spent three years with those guys yeah. with you yeah, e. yeah. joining the team as well
1: uh yeah 2004 five six and yeah. then uh then i went to work for SRAM in germany
0: uh-huh. so some incredible successes through that period then rennie and pete were both on on pretty good form through those years yeah
1: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, very good form uh, on and off the bike. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> was uh, was definitely sometimes uh, sometimes crazy and being. I wouldn't say I I felt young at that point, but basically inexperienced, uh, not uh, unexperienced, untraveled. We'll say, um, okay. and from being here and, and always been about the. We'll say by been about the mountain biking, been the bike nerd kind of person that knows all of that stuff, and keep uh, being excited about this. And this had a whole other uh, party rock star atmosphere, I would say, and uh, like uh, stuff uh, stuff with Nathan and, and Petey sometimes got really crazy and like funny. And on on that day it was stressful and in my head going like oh shit this is dangerous but uh, (laughs) now 15 years later it's kind of like it gave me (laughs) gave me probably the confidence i have today (laughs) yeah definitely were they
0: were you mechanic in for the team then was that your role yeah
1: yeah. so my role was uh, a team uh, just team mechanic so in Mm -hmm. 2004 uh, like i had said uh, john got me the job there and basically as you do when you're a mechanic uh, and you want to go with the you do what you can to to get there and uh, went to california stayed all summer did the norbos the north american world cups and then we went to the european ones so and uh, they they did it uh, they santa cruz that team at that time needed a, a second mechanic. So they brought me over and then the mechanic that they had hired wasn't that great, but he would drive the truck and stuff like that. And he had a couple of, couple of issues uh, with some of the athletes and he wasn't very, well, say nice to the juniors, which were kids. And uh, uh-huh. uh, so they got rid of him mid, I think uh, like end of July or something like that. And then, uh, then, then, from then on we took care of the whole thing the rest of the rest of the season yes uh i do the mechanics and kathy would take care of all the the cooking stuff and darren would drive the truck and yeah yeah so it was fun for for me Uh, at that time in 2004 was 23 years old and got out of school and figure i'd do this before i decide to go back to school and figure out what i want to do (laughs) and uh And yeah, still here. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. And (laughs) I guess,
0: I mean, really in at the deep end with riders that are kind of at the top end of the sport, but also, you know, riders that were well known for liking to to party and enjoy themselves back then as well. Is part of your role within the team to sort of try and keep that under control a little bit, like to try and keep things
1: above board? Well, nowadays is... Nowadays is different. Uh, it's much different, and and um, everybody. It, it all depends. Like back then, back then there was some some crazy, uh, crazy, crazy stuff that <laughs> that went on, and yeah, uh, yeah, you get roped into these things. But uh, the next morning, everything still has to be ready. Yeah. So and and for me, uh, it wasn't the. Um, wasn't an option kind of thing it's uh basically and today it's still uh, if we were to go out uh, to have a couple of drinks and we'll say fall off the wagon and go nuts <laughs> I still gotta I still gotta get uh, get stuff done in the morning so I would uh, wouldn't wouldn't screw around I'd be up uh, when, when needs be yeah. but when you're younger you can have a couple of drinks and wake up and still feel okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> and keep going so there was a lot of those mornings where but uh but yeah it's uh uh sometimes i've been uh i've been uh asked to keep stuff under control <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh and yeah you you do you do get that uh, uh you do have to do it sometimes and because like at some point like there's a there, there's a pretty, pretty uh, good story in the from that came from Portugal, uh, from the Lisbon downtown. So in 2006, so basically, if we start at the we start at the beginning of the week, we were in Vigo, which um, like on the Wednesday in Vigo, or Wednesday, or I think it was a Thursday, I think, uh, and I remember we we're staying at the hotel. We had the uh, the wheels at that time were very soft, so uh, and uh, had to go through a lot of. I'd build up, just lace up rims in the hotel room, but still go to dinner. And mm-hmm. at that time, like Rennie would be there, like, oh, let's go have one beer. This like right before, right before practice and stuff like that. And I remember uh, uh, meeting um, uh, Robert Warner. At the the pub, which he was still racing back then on a giant, yeah, and, uh, and I remember, remember, Rennie was down and feeling like, ah, I'm not doing so well, whatever. <laughs> and uh, Warner had told him, like, don't worry, buddy. I I only won one World Cup and been milking it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that being pretty funny uh, on that day uh, there. But um yeah, but yeah. Uh, he had a couple of beers we went did pr- uh, he went did practice him and Petey. it blew through all the rims i built wheels up until like i think 2 a.m next morning and uh, got up at 5 went to the pits set up the bikes and the wheels were uh like eh, eh, stuff's different than today today stuff is pretty good yeah and so we do like a a back wheel a run pretty much so, so, Jeez. and, uh, that was, yeah, that, that week was gnarly. I, cause, uh, I was by myself that week, just me and Kathy and, uh, Nathan and, uh, Petey and Petey had, uh, that's when, uh, uh, practice was, uh, all together. And it mm-hmm. was just, and those were the times that you had practice in the morning qualifier, then the race in the afternoon. Yeah. And in the morning, somebody was on the other side of a pitch, or I don't remember exactly, but uh, Petey ran into that person and dislocated his finger. But it dislocated so much that, like, I I remember he came into the pits and he had the, the, the pit had these little roller sliders and he came into the pits he he like leaned the bike on the table ran into the other side and clipped all the clips so all the drapes would go down so no one can see and uh, and he said like oh come help me and i'm like okay and like pull his glove off and it had dislocated so much that the skin had ripped and stuff like that and, so like, and i was like oh shit but um he <laughs> then like okay I remember Kathy had got tape and then taped it up or some something like that, but they went out did qualifying, did the race, and he was second McHanna had won, he was second, and Petey was and Nathan was third so so basically the the party started straight off after that, <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day I was supposed to do testing with SRAM, which like they were and we had let the pit set up and <laughs> they were just kept on drinking and uh <laughs> and uh cheering all the other shram athletes that were doing the bottom line jump which like at the moment certain people weren't too happy about that but uh shit i, I remember it and it's pretty funny and they were still out there cheering for <laughs> for all, for <laughs> everybody else and as i was taking on down, down the pits and like kind of hung over because we we had a good time the night before but thinking like okay we got to get the show in a row kind of thing (laughs) and uh yeah they kept partying that night (laughs) that night and the next day we went to uh to i think lusa where where there's the world cup now yeah but we had went there to ride before the lisbon downtown and uh we (laughs) we had got there mid-afternoon there was like this nice little beer garden with uh this little little lake and rocks to go across the lake and so we had one beers two beers three beers and we hadn't checked into the hotel yet so uh so, so they said like oh just wait here till your place is ready so yeah it's like a couple of beers in and Nathan says like oh we should go check out across that field there's like a very like nice old um stone bridge so yeah i go okay whatever we're just sitting around we go across we get on top of the bridge you go he goes oh come over here we gotta fuck with these things and i couldn't see i climbed the hill and there's all these beehives everywhere and uh and he's already got the top off of one oh, wow. and uh, and i'm now like yeah it's all cool but you know a couple of drinks and like yeah that's cool but i don't think you should be touching this And I remember looking at the top of the beehive and um, there was this like plastic cup that was there. All these bees were in there and there was the, I guess, a syrup or the the liquid that becomes the syrup uh, over there. And he's putting his finger in it and tasting it. (laughs) I go, yeah, I go, be careful. I I guess you're not pissed off. And he grabs a cup like Nathan's a pretty big guy and grabs a cup with his hand and lifts a cup a tiny bit. And uh, you just hear like the buzzing noise
3: Whoa.
1: and puts the cup back down. And I look at him and I go, oh, oh no. And I just start running. But every- <laughs> so everybody's uh, still having beers at this beer garden that has this nice view over this field where we are. <laughs> so I come running out of the woods in the field and Nathan's just running in the back of me, like hitting his chest and all that. And then oh finally, like I stop in the middle of the field he shows up he lifts his shirt and a bunch of bees come out from underneath his shirt Whoa. <laughs> and and try to attack me but um but uh, yeah that's uh so so we went back kept having beers so that was pretty funny and like got real drunk had a nice dinner somewhere and then got uh, went to the other pub but we still hadn't went to the accommodation yet and by the time we showed up at the accommodation, like I was tired, I just wanted to go to bed, and uh, I was sleeping on the uh, on the couch there. And so, it, and I didn't know what Nathan and and um, Petey were doing, but <laughs> Kathy comes in and she goes, "Go get those guys! Don't want to listen to me, and they're just being idiots outside. We'll get kicked out of this place." And I'm like, "Oh shit! Okay, I'll go check it out." <laughs> so I walk outside, and they they had a, this place had a super nice garden and there and uh, there was a rotary tiller and this uh-huh. nice grass paddock in the middle of the grass paddock trying to pull on the start this rotary t- garden oh tiller up. <laughs> and it, it must have been like 3.30 in the morning right? and and they're like hey you guys don't touch like this like you guys shouldn't be doing this and they're, they're like no no it's okay we're going to do a good job of it and they're like no no <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, and like just an argument. And they were pulling on the cord regardless of me uh, giving them shit about it. And it started. And when it started, I think Nathan fell back because it was pretty loud. And then they didn't, and then it shut off right away. And I said, like, okay, that's it. You guys just going to break, get <laughs> to bed, just like quit screwing around. But, uh, it, but yeah, like that's, that's one example. oh yeah and there was a there was a little car there parked next to the pool but one of those like miniature cars and it was unlocked yeah. and nathan was trying to start that too to push it into <laughs> the pool so so yeah that's uh just uh just me me dragging uh 200 and 230 pound ast- drunk <laughs> unwilling australian back the back to his room but uh yeah, yeah, that's, uh oh, and the first time I had went to Europe, which was Vigo as well the year before in 2005, I five. I'd partied as well a bunch, and Nathan had drank so much that he was passed out, and I didn't want to miss the plane, so I, uh, I remember I got to the airport before uh, dropping the rental car off uh jc which is sam's mechanic which yeah. those guys were iron horse they helped me grab nathan out of the car put him <laughs> on the bike boxes brought the car back and pushed a luggage cart all across the airport to go check in and nathan was just <laughs> on the luggage cart <laughs> and then finally woke up and he looks at me and goes we we getting breakfast <laughs> and they, yeah
0: amazing it's yeah. incredible what those guys were capable of like mm. Partying and racing at that level back then. It's
1: yeah. Well, the the he had finished fifth at that one, and, uh, and and yeah, and and we went back to California and proceeded to keep on a diet of like In and Out Burgers and and <laughs> still being super strong and all that stuff. So that's why yeah. I say if ever I buy a farm or something like that, I kind of want to get a, a Nathan like person to work there because he's pretty it, one of the strongest guys I know. So.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. incredible. So yeah, three three years with the syndicate, and then yeah. you moved away um, and worked for a season with Stevie Smith, right? Was that on Cove?
1: Yeah. Well, the way it worked out, uh, there was a certain offer at SRAM, which was a pretty good offer to go do all the SRAM stuff in, um, in uh, Germany. So uh-huh. I take care of all like all the forks and I did, I did like suspension and forks yeah. back and, and forks back then. And when did that, which was quite interesting and I really loved working with those guys and, and uh, really liked that job, but it was in the middle of Germany, which for somebody that's grown up there is fine. But when you, I, at first when I got like, I went back to a SRAM office in Germany a couple of years ago and it's all nice new and it's kind of like a marketing office now and they yeah. have the race trucks there they have some road stuff they have nice and in- at work base when i was there it was an internal gear hub factory <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the truck was parked outside and i stayed in a motel outside of there for uh. three months before getting an apartment and it's just next to a truck stop so job was really cool but i really hated living there so yeah. I did that whole season, and um, and at that time, uh, I, Tyler Moreland and Gabe, or Cove, which Gabe worked at Cove, um, Tyler had asked me, he goes, oh, I'll take care of Steve when he comes to the World Cups and yeah. in Europe. So Steve would stay with us, and I would give him a hand, and that's where the year after I I uh, quit the SRAM job because I didn't want to live there anymore not because i wanted to quit tram just i i i the whole season i would just be happy being at the races and would hate going home staying in my apartment where i walk outside and somehow always rainy and uh, no one like i didn't know anyone and all my friends from the office had the we'll say a wife and kids and the weekends like that's a uh, young family, so it was wasn't very happy for me. And I'd go mm-hmm. to, I could go to dinner or somewhere, and I'd just be by myself all the time.
2: Yeah, so, right.
1: Um, so yeah, and I didn't conceive, uh, I, and I was just dreading October you know, that was coming, thinking like, shit, October is going to be really shitty, and I got to stay there. Nothing's happening before, we'll say. End of March.
3: Yeah.
1: And I, so I quit and uh, came home. I, I stuck out the season so I wouldn't uh, put anybody in a hard place uh, to like just, but, uh, yeah. but still love it. But, uh, yeah. And Stevie came that year and at the end of the season, um, I, I was, uh, we'll say, uh, pay, paid very well at. Tram, so it didn't matter what else I got paid the year after, so uh just went with stevie for for peanuts and um and we went to all the world cups in two thousand and eight together and and uh was pretty was pretty fun and that time he was young and and yeah Stevie was like uh the I always called him the little brother I didn't want <laughs> so but uh yeah uh so his very young years, and and we got to travel together, and and uh, just the other day I got to go spend a bit of time with his mom and, and stuff oh, nice. like that. So yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, especially I I have not seen the movie uh, yet uh uh-huh. yet but uh tried to organize a premiere but somebody else already got it around here but okay. i just want i just want to see the movie yes yeah, I, uh, I was thinking about flying back to vancouver but uh, then i said like off oh. it's a it's a lot of work to probably go over there and be teary-eyed but uh, yeah
3: <laughs> yeah I've, I've
0: heard from a lot of people that it's an emotional watch and and from people mm. that didn't you know personally know stevie so I'm guessing for for those of you that were close to him, it will be challenging, but I'm sure a really really great thing to sit and watch
1: uh well the 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 guys always do a good job of that stuff, and Darcy was a personal friend of Stevies, so I'm uh-huh. sure and I spoke to his mom and she says it's great and it was Stevie so I'm sure it's uh, I haven't seen it, and I'm sure it's done very well and uh, and it's the real Stevie. For, yeah. for that so it's pretty uh it's unfortunate incident but it's uh i'm glad that it was uh, one of his friends that did the movie and we get to have kind of that memory forever sure
0: yeah and the stevie smith foundation is a great thing that's that's come out of it as well and i think all the proceeds from the film are going to that which is cool
1: yeah exactly uh, it goes to that and like uh uh oh like that foundation that has helped, we'll say Magnus get on the road a couple of years. Magnus Benson yep. get on the road a couple of years ago to go to World Cups, and uh, and he's uh, he he's did some fundraising to give money back to it as well mm-hmm. this year, cool. which is pretty sweet. And and uh, I know the foundation has helped out all the junior Canadians this year, so because sometimes. Uh, the federations charge a bunch of money to have people there. So they covered that and and keep going. So, and then there's that bike park in Nanaimo that I saw for the first time this year, which is, well, I saw for the first time out of my own eyes, not just not in pictures. And that place is amazing. And there were, I was there for four hours until dark and kids are still going out there in the dark and loving it. So that's a, that's amazing.
0: Awesome to hear. Good stuff. And um so from 08, I think you went back to working with Nathan Rennie again on More with this <coughs> time with, with Mitch Delps as well. Yeah. What, that was a funny year, right? That didn't go no not quite go to plan, huh?
1: No, no, not at all. Well, the that year, uh that year, unfortunately, with the Cove thing and C V going to uh evil and the people involved with all that stuff <clears throat> sometimes you get uh too many cooks in the kitchen, and those cooks aren't really great uh-huh. so so uh, i I kind of got screwed at the end of that year without having a contract or going anywhere oh, right. so, <clears throat> and um and the guy that owned that team that Moorwood Kenda team um he uh He had called me and it was a guy who, like, uh, uh, it's not a bad thing, but he's a guy that came from money, which like millionaire before getting anywhere Uh uh, out of family and stuff like that. And I'm super happy that he's decided to spend his money on a race team, which is pretty cool. They can't afford an F1 team, but we'll have a cool mountain bike team. But uh, this guy was more... uh, more of a big fan looking at the party uh, at the party right. thing and thinking like oh yeah I'll, I'll, we'll be a rock star <laughs> kind of thing but uh, yeah it, and basically Nathan wasn't super happy how it was going and mm-hmm. Mitch was a young kid at that time and he, uh, he he was just getting good results and he grew up watching Nathan and you know, Nathan was one of his friends and he he said that said it was well, so how could Mitch says it pretty good he goes it was it was super bad for my health but it was so fun <laughs> <laughs> and because uh because the guy the, the guy egged on to the party but uh yep. didn't didn't understand the consequences yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so so and of course it's somebody that's grown up without having had the work kind of thing. So he didn't, uh, I remember he got this airsoft gun one time for whatever reason, like a pelican And he was super excited to have a pelican and he was playing around with it while me and Nigel Reeves were tearing down the pits Yeah, and we're, and shooting cans. And we tell, we told this is the, the team manager owner. And we tell him like, don't do that stuff in the pits. You're going to like hit someone or something like no 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 go there. there's like no reason within a professional race team or in a professional pit to be playing with a toy gun <laughs> and he and he shots he, he was shooting something and the pellet ricocheted uh, off something and hit nigel in the head whoa so but this is like we looked at him he realized he just did that nigel jumped off the sprinter and this guy called uh, peter uh Peter or something but uh he dropped the gun and started running away like what kind of consequence uh, like what yeah why would you just- run away we're going to the same accommodation we have the keys <laughs> 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 so so yeah very so I could say that that was um uh, it was kind of shitty, but uh, today, like I told you about being nervous for certain things, uh, chalk it up to experience, and I yeah. was able to experience that type of uh, nonsense, I would say.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, unfortunately, Nathan was pretty depressed at that time, not uh, not being super happy about the team situation, because like, uh, for for suspension and stuff like that, we had the, so this I don't mind saying this, but for sure, after saying this, probably never have a, the, the boss suspension guys won't like me, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but whatever. <laughs> he, uh, we had boss suspension on and, and the Morewood bikes were actually pretty good. And the Morewood guys were really nice, but, yep. uh, and we, we spent, uh, I think like almost two, uh, six weeks in in South Africa in Peter Mattersburg, and they took care of us, and they were really nice. And mm-hmm. Was that's another eye opening thing of uh, of being somewhere else that you're not used to. But uh, but uh, to continue about the suspension thing, uh, Nathan's bike was undersprung, right? And it was all sprung, springs, and we like we were a couple of races in, and we were saying like we just need stiffer springs, yeah. Like we can find one for the back end from, and they they didn't want us to run any other springs, and they kept putting the damping up. And I understand playing it, playing with the damping to keep the suspension a bit higher sometimes and try to keep the same sag and stuff like that. But Nathan at that time at that time was two hundred and fifty pounds, yeah, and and he and the springs weren't stiff enough, and he's a big guy with a big arm. Arm's reach, like if he's two hundred and fifty pounds and super small, well, he's got less leverage on it. But he has a lot of leverage on stuff, so you could just see the bike bottoming out everywhere. And they wouldn't, they, 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 they would say like, no, 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 uh, no, no, no. We, we know what we're doing. And I go, well, no, like you uh, just need stiffer springs. I've worked with this guy for a long time, yeah, and uh, he uh, <laughs> and. Olivier's helper turns around and says, "Metsu, he's won 10 world championships. He knows what he's doing. And I looked at him and I go, he didn't win shit. I go, Nico won 10 world championships and he helped. <laughs> I go, he would have won 10 world championships if it would have been on RockShox, Marzoki, yeah. whatever else, because that guy is going to win and he was devoted to it. And he was focused, so yeah. And I and from that point on, which that was June, and I they they were giving us like kind of in, in good support because Mitch Dells was one hundred six sixty five seventy pounds, yeah, and they had the proper springs for that one, and his bike worked great. Uh-huh. About two hundred fifty pounds was undersprung, so but Mitch's bike worked flawlessly, and it was great. But Nathan's bike was undersprung. So from that point on, we're just turned around and told them, like, like, I can't believe you <laughs> like you're say like you say, like, you're not helping. You're not you you can clearly see it. Yeah, so so they didn't come to races anymore to help out from the wow. rest of the year. So basically the shocks we had and the stuff we had, which was good quality stuff because it was all hand built but uh, or handmade. Uh, so we had to figure out our own scenario
2: yeah. which
1: uh which, like they sell i don't know if they still do that, but back then they had specific oil for forks, uh-huh. and they wouldn't it's not advertised on the bottle what type of weight of oil was it, yeah, so if you don't have that oil, basically you can't rebuild that fork at that time, so
3: uh-huh.
1: so basically, when we came back to bromont we tested out different types of oils and <laughs> and figured it out which yeah. one it was so we can actually service the forks so um you know, yeah you know this this is what comes and yeah Nathan was pretty depressed about it did shit results and uh, and and would party a lot and uh, and I remember telling him uh, we we had partied a lot and and we got to fort William and he qualified 79th. Wow. When it That's, and the, yeah,
0: unfamiliar and, ground for him then, right?
1: Yeah. And he got back to the pits, and I told him, but the bike's undersprung. It's not the way he's going. It's not like the bike's not him, essentially. Yeah. And the bike would have been fine if it would just have had stiffer springs on there, uh, a stiffer spring fork, and a stiffer. <laughs> Or, or, like, if and two years later they brought out air suspension, I was just thinking, like, oh, if only he had air suspension, probably wouldn't have worked right, but it would have been stiff enough for him to be not hit his pedals when he would yeah. pedal. So, <clears throat> so I remember, remember at Fort William telling him, like, well, you better be on the hot seat when I get back down
0: because yeah, there's 80 riders,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, so, um, so he came down and he. And the the guy who qualified 80th was quite fast, and he got down, and he wasn't in the hot seat. I like, go, I better oh, get a picture man. that he was in the hot seat. So, so and uh, yeah, so at that point, the week after we had went to Willingham, and uh, for a bike festival, and he, uh, yeah, he says, I want to go home. So. Yeah. Like, all right, well, this is pretty shit. And if you keep going, you'll just get shitter. So, so he went home and and figured out other stuff. And that's it. We went to world champs. He got seven of the, He went home, trained, went to world champs in Cantons and not uh, uh, or Canberra. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, that's it. So then that
0: was kind of it. the end of it for him with racing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the end of it. <clears throat> and nowadays he does uh, trail building and certain excavate he's got a little excavation company and uh, he started the mountain bike coaching as well yeah so so cool. which is pretty cool i, yeah. I know uh, there's a lot of people interested in hearing what he he has to say and for that stuff and, yeah so, definitely yeah, knows was, how
0: to ride a bike
1: yeah exactly and um and that's one thing <clears throat> that i do like working with connor about stuff and to yeah. relate Connor to to Nathan, because Nathan at the very beginning uh would have well the very beginning in the first couple of years before getting into two popular phases, I would say. Would always be on the hardtail, would be on some type of bike doing silly stuff in the pits. And yeah. uh, and this would be, this is before iPhones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. IPhone, iPhones and iPads and all that stuff, or computers ruined it for the whole pit scene. <laughs> um, There would be berms dug into the pits. There would be random jumps. Guys would do 360s, would break all the little bikes, and we had to repair them, but it was cool. (laughs) They would jump over the fences, ruin some awnings, but hey, we're outside, we're doing cool stuff. Nowadays, there's a bunch of pictures of athletes just staring at their iPhones in pits looking, and unfortunately, young kids have to take apart from that that (laughs) that's that's what they have to do to be cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, Yeah, very um, different.
1: So that's one thing I do like uh, working with Connor. As far as <clears throat> when he's over here, well, it, now on the screen you don't see, but I have a whole wall of bikes, and it's actually snowing outside too. But a whole wall of bikes, and there's a couple of bikes that in there that are his. That he, they're just like random hardtails and stuff like that, BMX and stuff. So when he does between the races, come and stay here, they it's got everything. Kind of thing. nice so, and it's constant always on on the bikes that's why always I always ride uh, yeah, so like that's uh, uh for for me what I tell everyone and what it is is uh is pretty cool of his life um uh, is uh have it being like seventeen he's 27 now but i'm just saying he's 20 he lives a 17 year old life that he gets up in the morning goes maybe surfing maybe mountain biking then after maybe the gym maybe some other activity dirt jumping maybe if i'm there i shuttle him do downhill runs and then it ends the day at the downhill uh, at the dirt jump park in his hometown so it's kind of everybody's uh everybody every mountain biker's uh dream kind of thing you get paid and you do a bunch of stuff so i tell them unfortunately nowadays you gotta you gotta put stories on instagram so people appreciate (laughs) what you're doing just not say just not call me and tell me like yeah i had a great day
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome yeah let's talk a bit about getting to kona then because you've been with kona for 10 10, years 10 years um how did you get there so morewood (laughs) obviously ended after that year i think did you run the pivot downhill team for a bit yeah
1: so uh morewood uh uh more more from the get-go uh well for for that guy running the team was uh basically uh basically a nightmare from the beginning and for sure wasn't going to last but uh, he had the money and he he paid me in full uh as far as i had told him i wanted a a big amount of money for six months and he said okay and that was that was cool there's there's a I could tell you a lot of stories from that year, which was pretty uh pretty funny but uh but yeah uh after that year uh since basically I went there and as a mechanic and winded up doing all the flights, all the accommodation all that stuff uh said like okay well instead of having to adhere to someone else that doesn't know what he's doing, I'll just organize my own stuff and yeah. we'll, we'll make our ourselves a team. And obviously he, the, the hole had been dug uh, so much uh, uh, from the owner side of things. And that's, and he didn't understand that he was doing that. Like er, no one was happy. The athletes were doing shit and um, everybody wanted to go home and well, now is a cool thing to think about it, but uh, it was on the road quite often. Like I said, we started a, I started a year out. We went six weeks to South Africa. Then I think we came to Sea Otter for, or California for two weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we went to South Africa, Sea Otter for two weeks. Then went to Israel for a week to do coaching because the guy did what – it It's not a bad thing, but uh got the dis- more distributor over there to to take pick up the bill and had the mitch and Connor do uh, coaching but yep. the guy there was like thirty people there that uh, were on this in this place, and all those guys were just happy to see Nathan and mitch ride bikes, so yep. it ended up being like a the those thirty people turning around and bringing Mitch and Nathan to the ratter riding spots and having them like jump these big rocks and do these turns <laughs> and all that stuff. So, so there was no coaching done. They just like went for a group ride. <laughs> we'll say Sweet. and stopped and said like, okay, jump this, see how far you go. <laughs> I, I remember uh, I was, I was uh, walking down there and and the, the riding with them and, And uh, Nathan was there like, oh, well, over here, you want to do this jump and all that stuff. And he was telling Mitch, like, oh, do it and just roll down it. And everybody was kind of there. And Mitch was a bit of a flamboyant guy and came in and boosted this rock and landed like 40 feet downwards. And everybody's like, wow. And they turned around like, could you do this too? Then Nathan pushed (laughs) up, did the same thing. Then those guys brought him somewhere else to do something else cool. And, And yeah, that was a couple of days pretty cool and that that place was surreal cuz we uh, i don't remember the name of the town but it was uh, on the border of Syria and Lebanon i think or something okay. and all the top of this valley was was burnt and they said the like we thought like oh there was a like a, a forest fire yeah. uh, or something and they said like no we burnt the hills so they couldn't cross over cuz they had sent 800 missiles into the town Whoa. 2 years prior to when we were there and were they like like this, just two years ago, they said, like, yeah, and they're like, oh shit, like that's that's something that, I, I, from me being in Canada and yeah. those guys being in Australia, I'd never conceive of having that as a fear thing or as like. Like it's snowing today and it's like, that's probably the worst. I can't go yeah. for a bike ride now. So, so yeah, that's completely different. Mad, and, eh? uh, and that, that six weeks in South Africa, it's different, uh, the, different place. Uh, like, uh, we, we see uh, Greg Menard and Andrew Neathling come around and, and everybody seems to, okay, that's like, uh, just, we perceive all the athletes to be have like kind of a normal lifestyle, like we do, but we, like they have some friends that uh, aren't. Uh, we'll say it, it's a whole different life over there for certain people, and all the people living in the little huts and walking so far to work and just standing on the side of the, like there was a a semi truck that had crashed on the highway, and a bunch of people were standing next to the truck, but. They they were they were in the truck, like uh-huh. we're just in the middle of the woods there. And they were just in the truck waiting for somebody else to pick them up. So, it's it's different. It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, So yeah, people. And,
0: are, yeah, an interesting part of traveling for the job, I guess. Yeah, not
1: yeah, not yeah. so much
0: these days, but certainly then there was opportunity to go to some pretty different places.
1: Yeah, like um, we went to the 2005 and 2006. We went to Brazil for that world cup and that was that was pretty cool too and uh, people people were amazing over there but still it's different uh we, we we only found out like a week later after we had been there one of the cross-country guys were riding around the cross-country course and got robbed and his bike stolen everything <laughs>
0: on the track
1: yeah like practicing so, and then uh, then one of the other guys taught he was hopping over a route and it was this huge snake so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, and pretty pretty uh, pretty sweet picturesque interesting places so yeah,
0: yeah definitely definitely so yeah more word on to it was pivot right
1: yeah so that year i was trying to put something together um with uh actually i had spoken to the local company over here da vinci and the guy that was working in marketing there he uh, he kind of led me on for for a long time uh-huh. And uh, I thought it was going to work out and collected money uh, from other sponsors to get this thing going and stuff like that with uh, with Mitch Delce and one of his and my good friends, Will Rishbeth, which uh, he actually has a pretty successful e-bike store in Adelaide right now, and, cool. and uh, which it happens to be the same town as where Connor and, well, Troy live as well so yeah when i do go i have a bunch of friends in that town which is amazing but yeah we organized this whole thing and then um, like i had spoken to them from september to january and then january I said like oh yeah this is really good you did a real good job that's let's look at it for next year oh man and i You serious, like guys? The stuff's in motion. (laughs) Uh, Like you guys, you guys are amateurs. But um, yeah, and uh, one of my friends here Disputes Pivot, and uh, he had told me, "Hey, there's a downhill bike coming out." And I go, "They're probably going to want to do something."
3: Yeah.
2: So
1: I go, "Okay, sweet." So we we did that. um, Yeah. So I called them up and. Like again, January, this was February and like kind of beggars can't be choosers for yeah. money and stuff like that. But, uh, so, and Kyle Strait, yeah, we, we was Mitch, Kyle, Kyle Strait and Will Rishmith on the team. And, uh, and that was a very character building year as far as <laughs> getting it done, uh, getting it done. And like, I wanted up, uh, honestly, about about 40k in the hole that year just wow. out of my own pocket to get everybody to do stuff and all, all that stuff so
0: so is that down to inexperience from your side <clears> of <throat> being let down or like um, or uh,
1: well and uh, be being let down we'll say 90 yeah. percent of it and, okay. uh, and uh, inexperience um as far as if somebody would be experiencing today you would say tell me to do the same thing at that time or whatever probably i'd say like no no everybody go home we're not no. going to do it no. uh but like i said like we in uh, <laughs> my 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 kind of work ethic is <laughs> is yeah you can go out and party the night before, but you better be there at five a.m. <laughs> when times yeah. to go. So so we got stuff done, uh, got stuff done at the end of the year. Try to sell all the bikes to make sure then owe oh, too many, too much money and yeah. uh, and uh, and then the year after like trying to the year after trying to keep doing try to keep doing it because this is what i want to do so um you're af- in the, in december 2000 um 2011 or 2010 uh the kona marketing manager uh offered 20k to uh to mitch to go race world cups yes so Turn around, like, and this was like just a quick offer, and the uh, and he and Mitch turns around and because I couldn't afford to pay Mitch uh, uh, that year, so Mitch had done it for free, mm-hmm. but for for the ride and the expenses paid, and I like we said, okay, we'll keep going, and hopefully something comes up, and at the end of the season, like for me, uh, uh I would tell Mitch like. Mitch is a pretty good rider, and he could still do good today, I believe. But Mitch loves to drink beer and eat chips (laughs) 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 and uh, and party and do certain things. So not not try too hard. And uh, I would tell him like, hey, uh, like be smart about this. Like, don't have to be a parent, but eat your veggies, kind of thing. And uh, (laughs) yeah, and uh, he had qualified fourth at CNN World Champs. And I'm there like, fuck yes, this is like, we need this kind of breakthrough at the end of the year. yeah. And, um, and and yeah, he crashed and finished 11th, I think. So, which was still pretty good, but kind of not good enough to say like, okay, we're going to take over. You're going to like, like, okay, you want me to pay you five grand and not being able to pay some, like and and we're camping at an event, yeah, yeah, more, yeah. or or if we can get results and get money, yeah, something come back. So, tried to organize something and keep going. And Mitch, I'm trying to shop around for Mitch for other opportunities too, because wouldn't block him if he somebody would offer him something good, and he um, and Kona reached out. So so that way, they they reached out and. And uh, they said, you want to take care of it? Like I said, and then they said like, yeah, they'll pay. I looked at the contract they had sent them and I said, hey, they'll pay for you to go there and they'll pay you. But uh, you realize you're on your own reading this contract. You just uh-huh. looked at the money and signed the paper. <laughs> he goes, oh, they don't have a team. I go, no, this is like, you have to figure your shit out. <laughs> and he's like, oh, <laughs> so i called the uh, uh the guy's name was uh it was smiley back then and i i spoke to him and i said like listen i can give you a package to take care of him and uh with the existing pivot team that i'm going to the races with will mitch can just tag along with us
3: yeah like,
1: so because at the end of the day um sure okay we're gonna have somebody from another team staying in the in in the house big deal yeah. and okay at that time we had the pits it was very small pits but everybody's still kind of family and good friends so who cares like at the end of the day all the pictures are taken on the mountain yeah. um so you they were okay with it Kona was okay with it and then for the pivot thing uh the everybody at pivot was pretty nice about it and understood the money side of things and sometimes you just can't do it and then um, uh yeah that year so we did the pivot thing again that year and i think that's uh where bernie got there and mm-hmm. then uh had the had strobel yeah it went to 2013 the pivot thing when it had strobel and um luke strobel and kyle singers on there they uh-huh. didn't do so well and bernie was there and i told the pivot guys like just give the budget to bernie because the kona thing is working out properly and re- yeah. I'm, we're doing more things with them so then uh, instead of splitting everything across uh kind of dropping everything so that's how all that stuff came about and we yeah. kept going until today so yeah
0: yeah and you've had connor there pretty much from the start as well right
1: so connor in 2011 a week before week or a week and a half before saint Anne world cup the marketing guy at kona says oh hey uh our I didn't even know that Connor was coming, or of Connor really. And <laughs> goes, "Oh yeah, well, our junior is going uh, to St. Anne, so you, he, he, here's his flight info for you to pick him up." That <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, Okay, well, this wasn't kind of part of the deal, but okay. And it uh, comes from Willstown, and. Like luckily, I had Will that came from Adelaide, as and that was there because he's he turned around and he said like, "Oh no, Connor's a super good kid. He's yeah. very quiet, but uh, he'll be fine. He could stay with us." Like sure. and like, "Oh, okay, sweet." Just I got that sprung kind of on there and uh, winded out, it winded up that Will broke his finger. I think Will broke his finger that weekend or the weekend before. He could have something happened to Will that he couldn't race. Mitch couldn't race because he uh, he crashed and cut his whole palm open, and um, got an infection, and and his hand like just gulfed up, and had to go. So Will was injured, couldn't race. So Mitch had to go to the hospital. Will went and spent the night at the hospital, and the people at the hospital said like, if he wouldn't have went to the hospital, he would have lost his hand. Whoa, that's how bad. Because that that he came to the pits, and his hand was uh, like he just crashed in in dirt and there was yeah. a small rock that sliced it and it was a couple of millimeters deep so okay. i remember just getting rags and putting it on there and we'll uh, they, they got in the truck so the only person we had left the race was connor and uh connor was it, it, i would say he's a man of uh he, very few words like his action oh. speaks more than his uh <laughs> than anything else uh but he uh he stayed pretty much on Adelaide, Adelaide time that whole week, that yeah. whole two weeks for uh, for uh, that one and um, uh, the one in New York after uh, um, the World Cup in New York. But he would get up at 4 a.m., get fully dressed with his knee pads and everything, and play <laughs> play the BMX thing on his iPad. So I get up around 5 a.m. to make sure all the bikes are okay, and there's food in the fridge, all that stuff. And every time I'd get up at 5 a.m., he'd be sitting on the couch not saying anything. <laughs> so and uh, he uh, first thing he said like i picked him up at the airport and with a buddy of mine and he says do you know this kid and i go no clue he's, uh, and i go will says he's a bit shy but uh says he's a good kid so introduce myself uh, connor and matt and gets in the truck and he goes oh you americans like your big v8s huh because the truck needs to pull the trailer so yeah it's got a v8 <laughs> it's a big truck so it turned around me and my buddy jp turned around looked at him and then he didn't say a word for about two days Wow! <laughs> so but it, it was pretty funny it as he didn't he, it just came out and i remember and uh it, and yeah he was very polite not uh not wanting to uh, uh disturb anyone and His bike was super clapped out, so I took it out of the box. We put new grips on it, new brake pads, serviced the fork, and all that stuff. And then he walked. He rode away saying thanks, but and yeah, put new tires on because they were like almost bald. And uh, he went riding with it, and he tells Will he goes. He tells Will he goes, You think uh, you think Maddie threw away the old tires because I think I like the old tires better. <laughs> <laughs> so Will starts laughing, and he goes. I I like my old grips too, and the grips were actually worn through to the plastic. Yeah. <laughs> so so then I told him like, okay, just keep riding this. This will wear through the plastic as well, and that's fine. But he got. I think I'd have to look it up, but he got somewhere like. 40, 45th or 46th, that at the World Cup in St. Anne. So uh-huh. that's his first year junior.
3: Yeah.
1: And on the TV screen, we uh, we were watching at the bottom on the TV screen, he ran. He, in some section, he uh, he crashed and crashed on the other side of the tape and had to run back and get out back on Whoa. his bike and come down. So uh, we we're just sitting there going like, Uh, that's like okay so nothing to brag about about like the 45th or anything but um but nobody knows about that so that's a pretty pretty quick like he would have been and then we went to the new york one where he got sick but he got in the 30s he would yeah he, he right right now if you go spend some time with connor connor eats so properly all his vegetables proper Pro like everything proper and uh, that was pretty much the first time away from his parents i think yeah and uh, we stopped at this uh this diner in the states and he uh on the way to the new york world cup and uh, he he goes he gets a burger a hot dog a fry and uh, he asked for a chocolate shake extra thick <laughs> And and I was just staring at him and I would give so much shit to Mitch for eating poorly. And um, as soon as like Connor was out of the room, cause I'd give shit to Mitch and will like, don't eat chips, don't drink beer, don't do this. And all that stuff. And they said, why aren't you telling him to do this? Like it's the first week with him and he is polite and shy kid. And I go, I got, he'll learn it by himself. Like he'll figure out because it, he's, he's not like 10 years deep. He's, just his first week at the job yeah. so and like i said he ate so much crap and uh, that week and he did get sick <laughs> and i go then once he's sick and i tell him like okay you're a big fan of motocross you look at those guys how they eat and all that stuff and yeah. uh, and and look at the proper training schedules and all that stuff so if you want to make it you got to have some discipline and <laughs> um and yeah if you look at connor now he's He's like a very healthy, eats very healthy, and uh, he's he's very fit.
0: Yeah. What's it like seeing a rider like Connor grow? Because there's not many people that have been with a rider for that long. You've been together about 10 years, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been 10 years this year because that time was 2011. So, Uh 2001 now, 2021 now. So, yeah, well, it's been great. Like, right now, Connor's... um, It's kind of like family because, uh, and it's kind of, again, it's, uh, and I've been, um, uh, we'll say fortunate enough to the, the writers I have worked with in the past all have become very good friends because we both, uh, um, Sometimes uh, argue a lot with Mitch and stuff like that, but uh, to tell him to do stuff and to pick up his stuff, but uh, but it's still all, all love at the end of the day. <laughs> we'll say, but uh, yeah, he uh, it, it, it's pretty cool to see him grow up to uh, a, a great rider and and for Connor too. He's he he's very humble. Like probably, if he does listen to this, he'll probably uh, stop listening right now and <laughs> and or or he'll tell me it was good and not have listened to it <laughs> but uh but no, he's very humble and um very considerate uh one thing there's one of the sponsors that uh that, uh, we left a couple of years ago cause he, they had said like, oh, Connor's not the type to help out kids or anything like that. And, uh-huh. and I go like, I well, you don't really, you don't really know him or you're not making an extra effort to know him for real. yeah And him, him and his girlfriend go help out this, uh, lighthouse crew that help out, um, um, uh, uh, unfortunate kids that, uh, or uh, kids that can't uh, afford bikes and stuff like that, they build up old BMXs and, you know, nice. or, or or really old mountain bikes. And right now they have a bunch of uh, Connor and branded you know, Kona clothing because Connor gives all the <laughs> old clothes to them. But they help out them, uh, I would say as much as they can. Really, yeah. I think it's like once or twice a week, and they've gone on weekends and stuff like that. And. And, uh, I know for, for Connor, he won't, he won't say anything about it, but he's very, um, it, it's very, uh, after I, b- I believe his girlfriend, Shelly brought him to help there the first time. And, uh, he probably as no one, not really wanting to go, but after, uh, after, um, after he's been there, he keeps going and he keeps helping out those guys, and he sees the importance of, of what type of help it is. So when I do explain to or um, explain to Connor or explain to people who Connor is, mm-hmm. Connor is the type of guy who will help the little old lady cross the road and make sure she gets across fine, and probably give her a bus fare so she can make it home, and won't tell anyone about it. Versus yeah. where you do see athletes that at any time they take a picture with a random kid or something like that, and probably push a kid in the mud and take back the, the jersey <laughs> they gave them. <laughs> but, um, or uh, yeah, random, random stuff. So, so Connor's really that guy. And, and for me to have worked with him for 10 years, it, it's really good. Cause right now, uh, what, he's on the same page I am and I'm on the same page as what he wants and we can kind of trust that he's not going to do anything um, that would hinder both of us Mm -hmm. and we're both working for him to do his best. So, uh, yeah. And I don't think, I, I always tell him, just let me you know when you decide to settle down and have kids. Give me about a year's warning for for this. No, 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 we're fine, we're fine. Just uh then he he says and then he starts talking and he goes, Oh, well, Shelly uh Shelly like, help out Shelly with bikes sometimes and stuff yeah. like that. And I go, Oh no, is she pregnant? no 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 so so just let me know because then i'll need to book extra accommodation so you bring the whole family along
0: (laughs) fantastic what's his focus these days because he's been kind of more than dipping his toe in the water with ews this last season or so
1: yeah well um uh, that that goes on the Kona side of things, as far as a marketing plan for for companies and stuff like that, of course. Uh, eh, but people will eh, this. I don't want people to say, "Ah, he was forced to do EWSs." No, he wasn't forced to do EWSs. Uh Kona has been nice enough for, to us all these years that they haven't forced us to do anything, and we've worked together. Um, But the plan was the last two years, basically, if COVID wouldn't have happened, we would have done a whole season of downhill and EWS the first half of season, because that was kind of the plan, because we wanted to see where, uh, like, okay, if you went up top, he had trained a lot before twenty. uh like 2019 to 2020 and he was ready and planning to to do it and he says i want to do good at an ews and i want to do really good at the downhill as well so we so i said like okay instead of committing to saying we're going to do full ews circuit or full world cup circuit we'll commit to the first half Okay. And then we'll reassess saying like, okay, how much money do we have left? <laughs> Who wants to pay for us to go to the rest of them? And, uh, and and what's the focus? If you're top three in EWS and you're, we'll say, top 15 downhill, which uh-huh. tops of 15 downhills where, where he usually is with the like a, in the last years if he has yeah. an injury or something he's top 15 so uh, overall or top 20 overall which is really good yeah uh, but uh i said let's give it a a proper go for the ews cuz the bikes are cool and he said he really likes ewss cuz he rides his bike all week yeah and um so for for that stuff so he was super uh, keen on going, this year there was he <clears throat> he uh, there was a bit too much. He, he said he did uh, there was a bit too much weird stuff in trails. Like sometimes certain races, you gotta you gotta give it. If you get the downhill approach to going there and just riding the track, I believe you're not gonna do so well. Okay. I believe you have to go, and you unfortunately just. It, well, you kind of have to do like downhill and go walk the EWS track. Yeah, uh, that's that's walking a, that's walking a lot.
0: That's a big and, walk.
1: Yeah, it's a very big walk. But if you look at the guys who are winning, and they they've got their their hiking backpacks, hiking shoes, and they're going to do everything. Uh-huh. So um, and then you have to push back up during practice and be really kind of committed to it. Not coming down, sitting in the pits and. Thinking like okay, I'll watch GoPro, and this is what I have to do. So I do believe there's a learning curve, and with Connor this year, we we have figured out those things to go more forward. But on those uh, (laughs) to come uh, to come towards the end of the year, like uh, like where I met you in Scotland, he wasn't there because Australia had blocked all the flights, and uh, unfortunately, his flight wasn't canceled, but unfortunately, was on the Sunday of race day. But Fortunately, I didn't have to pay twenty grand for him to fly home. Like other yeah. people, we had Alex, uh, the mechanic, who's uh, actually flew out last Friday from my house because wow. when he was in Scotland, we looked at flights for him to go home, and uh, and it, his flight was canceled, and it ended up was going to be twelve thousand euros. So I was just like, this comes back to the times where I tell you, 2010, I go, and then I looked at Alex and I said, okay, what do you want to do? And he goes, is it okay if I come hang out at your house? I go, perfect. (laughs) Get you a flight with points and come over to my house. And then his flight was $2,200 to leave last Friday. So saved saved 10,000 euros. (laughs) So Yeah um yeah so that like at that time uh for so for the last EWS races he really liked oh. and uh and um wasn't pushing enough he had said because mm-hmm. uh uh he came down and he finished like 30 i think 36 or thirty thirty 30 something on the first race
3: yeah and
1: he goes i don't understand he goes i'm going really quick <laughs> and then we're we were next to the pivot tent, and then Matt Barker goes. He goes, Connor. He goes, you can ride fast all the sections. He goes, J- but just every section in between. He goes, you got to go like if you're going to puke, <laughs> like if you're not feeling like you're going to puke at the end of the stage, you didn't try hard enough. Wow. So Connor was there, like, oh, okay, and then he finished ninth at the at the one two days later. So. Yeah, and he said, Yeah, just get pushed it a tiny bit more. And the, I give him shit sometimes and I say, like, I know you can push harder. Uh <laughs> when he was here, uh when 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 in the summertime when the, between the races I'll bring all the athletes that stay at my house to this this local Wednesday night race, which is uh-huh. pretty much a sprint for about twenty five K. Wow. And um and Connor races the elite category and always winds up like third or to fifth and all yeah. the elite local guys, but Connor passes by on the uphill. And I, 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 I would need to research it, but I have a video of him cause I, I filmed them and he's talking to me. He goes, Oh, this is so hard. I can't believe you're making <laughs> me do this. And he's passing other people. But I was there like, then I get back in the car and this is just for fun. And I said, like, pretty sure you can go a bit further if you can talk to me regularly then i don't think you're pushing hard enough yeah. so so for the ews races it kind of when matt walker told them this and i said like yeah and i go remember those XE races and it's like uh oh, yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah so he's figured that out and it's a learning curve from coming to downhill but he does he does love riding his enduro bike and racing, all that stuff. and um, Just some of the tracks aren't always, uh, we'll say, the same things that he practiced and he enjoyed. Because the e- Whistler EWS that he did a couple of years ago and the finale Trophy of Nations and all that he he did, the finale said the tracks are pretty flat, but it's a pretty fun place. So he was very eager to come over and do them. But and raced enduro at home on all Derby and Tasmania, like those those ones and those are really fun tracks. And we got to Canazai, which is a super nice place, but the tracks weren't as fun. Okay. And and uh, he said, I've been practicing on the wrong tracks because I've <laughs> gotta go <laughs> I've gotta go on tracks that aren't as fun and um, aren't as fun. So and are more work. So yeah. Yeah. So I was just figuring stuff. it out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool
0: to see him doing it. It's nice to to have him on both sides of the of the sport, I guess, in the same yeah. way that riders like Eddie and Wynn and people cross over really well between them.
1: Exactly. Well, I think, um, well, for what he says, he, he says he doesn't want to be known as just a downhiller. But I and like he goes to the dirt jumps, he does three sixties, backflips, all that stuff. And, uh, and he says, ah, one, one day I want to try a speed and style at the crank works. He goes, but I don't want to, I don't want everybody to be on the sidelines. There's too many people watching. I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> You're going to have to do it, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, if, uh, so for, for, for me, I will, uh, I would always would like to get a filmer to go to Adelaide, a couple of times a year, and just so Connor in a daily life. I know the um, Joe had made a maxis video a couple of years ago that really, yeah. really showed that off. But uh, unfortunately, videos I find uh, sometimes everybody there could be ten coming out today, and, and yeah. you know, everybody kind of forgets. So it needs to be more constant, more of it. But that's what he does every day, basically. so
0: Very nice. Mm. I'd like to to pick your brains a little bit about the team manager. Side of things, mm. and one of the things that I've always kind of puzzled over a little bit is at the at the downhill World Cups, what goes on in team managers' meetings? What are the kind of hot topics and the agenda items that get discussed there?
1: Uh well, it's kind of funny. There's a so if a couple of other managers listen to this, they'll they'll laugh at what I have to say, but. <laughs> Because um, if you're an elite team, then you get this, uh, you, you get more of an opinion, and they okay. include you on email. So uh, in the past years, we've got Connor doing it very well at some of them, and we're, and so we're an elite team, no problem. Yeah. And some of the years, so this year, we didn't do anything last year, so we're not an elite team. Okay. And uh, I believe the year before, yeah, a year before we were the lead team, and like in the last ten years, there was like two, maybe three years that we weren't an elite team. Yeah. So those years, it's like radio silence, and it's like my opinion doesn't count. And I kind of hate that because, like I said, I've been at these races since two thousand three, four, yeah. and there's these random people that are just get hired from these companies that are team managers that have own the bike for five, six years. And they're just, in my opinion, very lucky to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, those as some of the, some of the team managers things, there's, in my opinion, there's just a, there's always safety. That's a big thing. That's a yeah. very important thing. And then certain things about the tracks and, and stuff for future stuff. Uh, some opinions uh, like a couple of years ago, I remember they they had the Red Bull TV crew there and then uh, I think I got kicked off of the mailing list after that but <laughs> uh, they uh, there's there a couple of team managers that were were uh, mouthing off at and telling them how to do their jobs
2: uh-huh.
1: and after that on the mailing list, I said well we kind of have to th- treat all these people as our biggest sponsor kind of thing. How, yeah. how, how do I show up and like, how do I tell you, like, how can I help you uh, succeed these things? And I would like to see these things going instead yeah. of saying you're fucking up and you should do it another way without saying you'd help. Yeah. yeah. So So that, that, that stuff, um, uh, that stuff scares me uh, sometimes, but, uh, Uh for now to see how popular it is and stuff like uh, how popular it's become and how more people are tuning in and watching and becoming more fans. I'm more confident now so Mm -hmm. we can have the random team manager say a bunch of bullshit and, uh, and it's going to surpass because there's we have more fans than we've ever had. So so yeah. that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, the thing
0: is a pretty huge, eh.
1: Yeah, where when I saw this at the start of everything, uh the fans were there but not as big as today. Yeah. So so that so that's why I said it like that that kind of scares me and sometimes and sometimes a team managers meeting is basically to just tell you who Who's the medical delegate? Who does what? And stuff like that. So there's not much that goes on in the races. But like I said, there's a, a special email mailing list that sometimes I'm on that's an elite <laughs> mailing list. And, and, um, and, uh, sometimes I'm on and uh, sometimes I'm not, but uh, that goes on after the, uh, <clears throat> after the season and during the season of just what would you like to see and, and stuff like that and yeah. all that stuff. So yeah.
0: do you feel like it's going in a positive direction from the organizational side of things at least?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think, uh, I think it's become popular that it doesn't have a choice to be organized. Uh huh. So it doesn't have a choice to be there. Like in if the UCI would drop it tomorrow and say like, oh, we're not going to do races. Somebody else would wake up and and do a whole other series right away. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. if, if TV and Red Bulls there, Red Bull do a good job of it being on TV. And, <clears throat> and, uh, I think people, and it's great that, uh, everybody asks me, oh, did you watch this? And I go, no, I haven't watched it yet because I don't have time during the season but uh oh, no. right now uh right now um i'm right now the times like start to rain start to be cold there's a bit more free time so i sit i do walk away from the desktop and have my laptop and sit in front of the tv and rewatch everything and and it you know, basically is what i love and so unfortunately like the world cups we only went to a couple of ones this year so for me, I'm I'm a bit sad that I don't see my riders and stuff like that on TV for this year. But I'm very happy to see a lot of friends and how popular it is. So.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And how how has the sport changed in all these times? You've been there nearly twenty years at the at the races, and and maybe also in ways that we as fans watching it from home might not realize have changed.
1: Hmm, that's a That's a good question. I would say, I would say it hasn't. Like the bikes have changed. The bikes is something, uh, uh, and uh, I don't. (laughs) don't want to refer this question back to me, but I'm kind of. I have a mechanic now, but like kind of uh, financially, I'm the guy that falls back on organizing the whole team to be there. Then. Do the mechanics on Connor's bike, and then I have a mechanic for all the other athletes bikes and so kind of do everything so from that point and what you say you've seen what I've seen change over over the past twenty years um is is basically the the bikes have become such an amazing thing and the, and where we speak about the athletes uh um uh, fit now there was usually (laughs) raw talent that also went out on the, on the Thursday before practice. Now people are staying at home and making sure they get a good night's sleep and, uh, and making sure they can go full on. Yeah. There's still the odd party after the race, but uh, right now athletes are, are an athlete. So it's, uh, and they're, they're doing, but uh, you still see, uh, still see people for the love of the sport that are in there. There's a lot more showing off, we'll say, with social media and stuff like that. If I speak about other mechanics with shiny toolboxes and <laughs> and uh, stuff like that, and I always make fun of the uh, uh, um. John Aaron Gwyn's mechanic and uh, oh yeah
0: John Hall yeah yeah
1: John Hall and Aaron Troy's mechanic because uh, they they always had the toolbox wars thing and all that stuff and <laughs> I have a a tool roll and this pouch I have that has all my tools in there and they said like well why do you have this this way I go well to have work with so many athletes no one's stealing my five mil when they open this little bag of tools open because they're afraid that like they won't be able to find it right away <laughs> so, yeah. so my tools are always in that bag and i've had tools for that are in that bag for the last 20 years and uh who showed me how to do all this stuff is basically ed chavez who used to work for haro when oh. greg menar was on there and used to work with the Max's team when when it was foes with monkey so yeah. he had to, like before going off to europe i was in california and i said like what do i do for tools and he, we went and got the backpack and he puts all the tools in there he says you put all your clothes over the to tools and then uh, then you're good to go <laughs> so <laughs> so and back then the dickie's shorts were were real um real real popular uh real fashionable so he goes you fill this up with all your clothes and all your dicky shorts and then then uh over there everybody loves those things so you wear them all that stuff and then when you leave you just give them to all of them because they were pretty cheap in the (laughs) u.s so i just come back with your tools so uh, pretty pretty funny it just felt like a kid with his dad sending him off to (laughs) uh, to school with the backpack but uh yeah so so i've kind of I I I do have a a nice toolbox that I leave in Europe and uh, with a bunch of stuff. But I always kind of even when I show up to Europe, I bring my little tool bag uh, <laughs> across that has all the random tools and pick out all of that stuff and then realize I don't take anything out of the toolbox and just use it for storage. But yeah, I uh, I I tag John and Aaron and Instagram photos with. Uh, <laughs> adjustable wrenches and vice grips and they never re- re-share what <laughs>
0: <That's relatable>. exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. You,
0: and you guys do run quite a modest pit setup compared to some of the brands these days right there's a lot of big coaches and buses and all sorts of stuff you guys yeah. are well, making it comes, it work from the it,
1: van. it comes down to money side of things and uh, with kona in the past like and like I said, the way it works is for for the money side of things. I run the budget and and all that stuff. So if they don't want to invest, uh, like a couple of years ago, I, it was, I we were lucky enough to get the cool van, cool brand new vans from the Monaco office. Uh-huh. So for three years, I had a brand new van. I could leave everything in the Monaco office, and then they moved the Monaco office to London which was less central for me. And then the vans were actually getting used for demo stuff. And they said, oh, you can pick up the van. It's in this small town in the UK somewhere. And I'm like, I can't do that. like, And bring it back the next Monday. Like, how do I get to random airports and stuff like that? So I ended up renting vans. And then the, then the general manager goes, like, you spent like 40 grand more than last year. I go, yeah, but I don't have any vans and I don't have a place to stay at the at the Geneva office. And yeah. like, I got to get a hotel and rent a van. I go, and I've asked you several times, can I have, can we do 20 grand and buy a van? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Keep renting it. <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> okay. So we turned around and and at some point I just bought a van and the, and the, I told them like oh well this is registration for the van all this stuff and uh, and uh, yeah so which was that van ended up costing ten grand we used it for almost four years and uh, then uh, then uh, unfortunately that it it broke this year uh. and and I don't want to point the finger at anybody. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> but these two individuals really wanted to do a good job and change the oil and take care of the van and all that stuff and then uh, then I don't think there was enough oil in there and it ah. uh, broke a piston rod <laughs> going up kid. to Crans Montana so oh. yeah which uh, which oil was all over like there was still a lot of oil in there oil was all over the road and that it was, it was Midnight, and I was thinking, I'm in Switzerland, I'm gonna get arrested for polluting the road. <laughs> That's <is> so bad,
2: <laughs> not good,
1: not good. so yeah. But but it was with all the best intentions possible because and then the to that the, why the van broke, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah,
0: and brands as well, it feels like they're they're looking what they're looking for from teams and riders has kind of changed quite a lot over the time, certainly that you've been involved. Yeah. Where do you, where do you think we're at with all of
1: that? Um, yeah. Well, that's uh that's the one thing that, uh, that is a tiny bit frustrating. So if we look at, um, if we look at budgets of what they were ten years ago, some companies jump on the bandwagon and spend a lot of money, but some companies want to stay within the same budget kind of thing. And that's their a lot of marketing budget. But you turn around and have sponsors that want more images, more videos. And then out of a race team, we we've spoken about Kona for the last 10 years, but in that last 10 years we have all the brands that fit all the brands that affiliated to the bikes, which like yeah. SRAM has been a great sponsor. Maxis has been there every year for us. And, uh, and, and will be there for a long time as well. So they say, and always helped out with all that stuff. But these brands turn around and say, well, we want you to do all the crank works as well. And it's like, okay, we'll try to do as many crank works as possible. But now turn around and say, I get told from somebody else, well, I want you to do all the EWSs. Okay. Athletes wants to do the World Cups. Okay. Certain sponsors say, we only care about all the World Cups. Somebody else says, could you do at least four videos for us? <laughs> and And then at the end of the day, you still have the same amount of money that's coming in. Yeah. So... That winds up being hard, and it's just a juggle and negotiate with everyone and make everybody understand. Which the people we deal with are very good people, I would say, and they mm-hmm. they understand what it is. It's people that haven't, people that have been there for a couple of years. It's not the new, fresh out of school marketing person that looks and calls you up and says, "Well." You only got so many likes today on your, on your photo, so um, so it becomes it half. It's become where it's changed from twenty years ago. This is a whole other big marketing tool at the moment, which is pretty cool because it's worth a lot more. Yes. and and um, and yeah, sometimes like I said, the money's the same, and uh, you have to do way more stuff. But I believe and I see for that uh, people will invest more if we do it so basically tighten the belt get it done and uh, have it's mountain biking it's meant to be a good time so like try to keep positive and have a good time and yeah uh, it's uh, at the end of the day it's everything we love as far as for for me uh, mountain biking and going riding cool cool new mountain bikes for the inner bike nerd deep down inside of me uh, and um yeah and at some point everybody will will start investing a bit more which it's shown to be true what i'm thinking because it's this is what i was thinking 10 15 years ago and it's happened so it's just got to work harder and make a kind of please everyone and everybody has a head on their shoulders and understands the what we have to do so yeah
2: yeah,
0: fair enough. And when you're when you're kind of putting together that team roster of sponsors, how do you look at that balance between like income and the quality of the product? Because I'm guessing there's some brands who are looking to enter the market and are maybe willing to spend a bit more, but maybe the product quality isn't as good as some of the established brands. But obviously, yeah. you need money, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh, two two years ago, I had somebody else on the uh, that wanted that would have changed a whole bike kind of thing but it was a lot of money and i knew the athletes wouldn't be too stoked on that but uh but if we were like some uh, some teams out there you can look at you don't have i don't need to name names or anything like that but you see some some of the teams out there are doing it for the money and getting having a, a whole nascar sit up or a whole nascar uh all the brands, all the random little brands, getting pitching in a, a tiny bit of money and really yeah. forcing for that. And there are all these random brands, and that who knows where they come from. But the, it, and, but it's good that they're promoting it, and it's good that they're doing it. But, uh, but yeah, how do to pitch in? Uh, c- a couple of years ago, I did speak to someone that had a fairly big financial want into the team. Yeah. But I turn around and <laughs> I, uh, I told the uh, Miranda the one of the athletes uh, said what do you think about this she goes I don't want to be seen on that product (laughs) then I I go yeah but it's this amount of money like you would get paid more technically she goes yeah but then I I I would lose whatever credibility and people would see that I would be doing it for the money which is not what I want to be seen as and uh and, and, and they're like, yeah, that's fine. I go, but if you're living in Squamish. You could buy a house after, <laughs> like. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but uh, but again, it's uh, uh, some of the writers stay and and some of the people stay core kind of thing. We'll we'll talk about it yep. and uh, stay loyal to certain things. So, which 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 is great, and which I'm the same way. I would prefer to stay loyal to people that have helped us and good product and good people versus turning around and and switching everything over for 20 grand more somewhere mm. where you see a lot of people doing that which i find is very uh, inconsiderate i don't believe that the those people doing that oh will uh, will still be there will have a 10 year relationship with a, with athletes or companies or things like that
3: so,
0: yeah that comment and what about the rider side of things? Is have you changed what you look for in a rider over the years you've been doing it?
1: Uh, riders tend to to um, well, what I look at for riders is basically the, is it does it fit good uh, first first of all does it fit good with the rest of the team? Yeah, because uh, if you get somebody that let's say will win every World Cup and is shit to deal with, and other <laughs> athletes don't like him and then then it becomes uh then it becomes a different type of business. Yeah. Um which I'm not opposed to this. Uh, just for the fact we can talk money. Mm-hmm. Right now, like I said, there's not there's not millions of dollars into this unless you're one of the three superpower brands out there.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh and if you're not uh, but there is money out there if you do sell your soul for every little knick-knack uh, part out there and mm-hmm. and then it, it becomes i would say not fun for and you would get the athlete that wins and or wins or does good good things or doesn't win and blame everybody on the team and cause the thing where no one wants to go have dinner together on the Sunday night after yeah, the race. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't want that. And I don't want, um, I don't want to be in that position to won't say have unhappy people, but delivering the goods. Like I, it's not, not, not here for, not here for the money. I'm here for the, the mountain biking. Yeah. So, uh, and like yeah it's it is a full race program and i love going to races and i love going to world cups and i want to keep doing this for as long as i my body will allow me to but uh, uh, i don't want to be a sellout as far as telling connor i don't i don't want to be telling connor or miranda or whatever athlete i'm working with to turn around and say like oh you, you like you're not good enough Mm -hmm. And we'll trade you in for somebody else. Like instead of having that athlete think that way versus saying, okay, you're having a hard, you've had a hard time. You've, you've asked yourself too many questions (laughs) about the bike setup.
2: Yeah.
1: How do we turn around and make you faster and make you more comfortable? How do we keep you going? How do, what can we bring you up to speed? Like, what's the reason like let's let's look at how to progress the athlete and progress the people that you're with because again uh, for for me it's winding up uh, for the australian guys like alex just left my house who's the mechanic who left my house last friday which uh like he just spent uh, uh six weeks (laughs) <laughs> in my yep. personal house like that and yeah, you've got to
0: get on with each other if you're doing that sort of stuff yeah right? yeah
1: and, and for him he's a he's a great house guest my my girlfriend and uh and uh, her uh her 15 year old really love him as well because last year well last year COVID I feel like trailing off in every direction in this podcast <laughs> <It's all> good, <laughs> but um last year with COVID uh Alex was supposed to go get my van in Ireland right uh-huh. uh, uh, early March, and I called him and I said, "Hey, you're uh, stay home. I'm not 100 percent sure everything that's happening right now. It looks like pretty sure Lusa will be canceled. Right? And this was like within a day; it was canceled. Yeah. And uh, but he was at the airport with his bags. Wow. So and he says, "I go go back home." He goes well, I. I gave up my apartment and figured I'd uh, put all my stuff in storage and figure I'd get a new one at the end of the season because he <laughs> oh, has wow. a girlfriend in Europe, a long-distance girlfriend. The young yeah. people is fine for that. But, uh, he, and uh, So he goes, could I come to your house and we'll wait it out? I go, yeah, well, I got a bunch of bikes to set up. and Well, as well, the bikes hadn't shown up as well, so we were all on um, – 2019 bikes i go yeah. when they show up you can help setting him up and uh we'll we'll, uh, we'll figure something out we'll, worst comes to worst we can start riding soon and uh, we'll figure something out there's something to do so and uh so he yeah. so he flew over and I, I told him like yeah for sure it'll be like three four weeks we'll be stalled max yeah <laughs> this was early march wow. so then we, he left, uh, we, we both left for the EWSs in like the 28th of October last Whoa. year. So he, so spent he was all, with you that whole time. Yeah, it was with us that whole time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he was, he, he was fine. Like he was fine with it. I had to, I kept paying him anyway <laughs> being there cause he was doing stuff and I kinda, we set up some, some stuff to. Build, uh, fix local people's bikes and try to, so I could keep him afloat and stuff like that yeah. and do do all that type of stuff and uh, keep it going. But uh, yeah, uh, he was a, a perfect house guest, but like so, but still, like if he wouldn't have been, it would have been a hard place with flights canceled, like no flights yeah. to Australia or anything. And then you got somebody staying in your house for five months. So, when you look at an athlete is do they get it? Are they nice to other people? Like this is because you are six months with that person, depending on what type of budget you have. If you give me, if you give me a couple million dollars then everybody can have their own hotel room and everybody can go home on Sunday, everybody can go home on Sunday and it can be very result oriented. And you better, you better tag everybody on social media that, uh, that I've told you to tag and, and get the top five and do all this stuff. But uh, I think the reason we've been here so long is it's it's not that. We could turn around and be that for an amount of money and have something good, but there there would not be a a nice story of we've been with a company for 10 years. I've worked with an athlete. I'm still talking uh, regularly with athletes I've worked with 17 years ago. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. So and uh and again, we wouldn't have acquired so many friends along the along the way of other teams and stuff like that, like uh for let uh, take JC's um uh JC Sam's mechanic. He's been with Sam like I think he's wor- not worked with Sam two years, I think, of mm-hmm. the last uh since Sam started racing or so, since two thousand three. So yeah. Uh, and um and jc actually met his girlfriend slash wife uh here i believe in maybe 2008 world cup nice. maybe 2000s or maybe earlier 2007 or something yeah i think uh, maybe two or 2006 because between saint Anne and other races they would stall here for two weeks because there'd be good riding yeah so uh, and they were the house I rented in Braumont they would rent a house next to us so for two weeks we'd all ride together and I think and now they've uh, they've bought her uh, like they've moved back in the area close to her parents and stuff like that so I get my one of my best friends JC that uh, works for another team and uh, another we'll say world traveler uh, and stuff like that to ride around and and when I introduce him to people on the mountain, I go, this JC, they go, oh, Sam's mechanic. And, <laughs> uh, and he's been tagged in certain people that have taken photos far away from him yeah. and said like, Sam, Sam Hill's mechanics in town. So, awesome. so it is pretty funny. And, and it sees, it shows for, for me again, to where, uh, it shows what uh what people uh, around like how fa- people are fans and
3: yeah, yeah, how it yeah. goes
1: and uh another thing of living in braumont here is a very um, this uh, uh, is a very we'll say pure mountain bike environment because okay me and jc live around here but that's uh that's the only people that are kind of in tune with the World Cup or sponsorship or something like that. That's living around here. There's a couple of local heroes that are sponsored, which are good riders. But yeah. it, this state, this place stays pure in a lot. And I've always brought my athletes here, the ride and stuff like that. But when we go to the chairlift nowadays, you see a lot of nice bikes. And a lot of people with nice bikes, and, and a lot of people that are fans, and uh, and uh, get people to come over and see my nice bike and uh, and ask me questions about it, which they don't know I work with the Kona team or or manage that. And if I explain to them, um the they uh, they they're, they're like, really, wow, like, <laughs> but but that's how it's grown. Whereas eight or we'll say ten years ago. I'd get to the lift lines for the chairlift, and I knew everyone on the mountain. And this this year was eye-opening because Bromont had went from one chairlift to three chairlifts now. yeah. And I uh, was waiting for my girlfriend and her friends because I pedaled from the house to the mountain and went up the back chairlift. And I waited for her for about 45 minutes at the top of one chairlift. And I was looking at everybody coming off the lifts, and they all had nice bikes, and I did not know one person.
3: Wow. Now,
1: this is, this is my hometown. I've been biking here since 1996. Yeah. and uh and it, it's just crazy the amount of people there are three parking lots uh, all three are full and i th- everybody said like oh wow mountain biking's boomed here but no it's boomed everywhere i went across europe to many like can i had a bunch of people there was another bike park everywhere is filled so i, I think i'm happy and proud of mountain biking that people are coming out and saying wow this is cool i need a mountain bike and are pushing through it because they're expensive and people are saving their dollars and yeah
0: yeah it's in a good place yeah well, we should uh we should start wrapping up before we get to the final four questions that we ask everyone okay yeah i wanted to ask you what would be the piece of advice you would give personally to people who want to get involved in the sport but but maybe not as an athlete. Maybe they don't see themselves as someone with that kind of raw talent to make it in the racing side. But they want to be part of the sport.
1: Yeah, um, uh, for for that type of thing, need I, I always say? Uh, cer- certain people say I've worked really hard, and I have. But I always say you got to have a bit of luck on your side to go, get to where you are. But mm-hmm. it's always in relation. You can't just sit on the couch and be lucky. Somebody calls you up and uh, say, "Hey, come work for a World Cup team," or "Hey, come for a multi-million dollar company <laughs> or something." But um, to do this, you have to. You, you got to be ready to to work hard. I would say, if you truly love it, and um, and put in the hours. Like I was saying, you can go party, but you can may got to make sure next morning you're up at five a.m. to keep going. And, um, uh, I would say, I would say if you want to, for where I am today, which, uh, which I, I followed, a uh, a, a marketing course last year on online, the, uh, uh, NYU, uh, sports marketing course, which, mm-hmm. uh, is something I would, um, I would say w- w- what you got to do is you got to make sure you got to make sure you can do anything that's on the bike. As far yeah. as suspend, as far as changing a tube, putting a cush core in, uh, making sure you know how to set up shim stacks and suspension, if that's the case, that we got to do. Yeah. Not not saying we do it all the time or whatever, but you got to make sure you can do it if uh-huh. you want and uh, if you want to be the best at it. I think nowadays you got to have a, some type of marketing degree, yeah, and and, uh, and you got to be able to do that. Because I think uh, for um, oh sorry I think you heard that text message, but that's actually JC saying it's snowing outside because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you wanted to ride bikes. But uh, yeah, uh, so to keep going at that, I think you and you gotta be you 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 gotta be uh, how could I say so, so willing to adapt to other people's needs. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, as far as when like I was saying, certain athletes need certain certain space. Some need the tap on the back. Some some you need to say absolutely nothing at all because you're going to ruin their day saying hello and good morning. <laughs> but um, but uh, most likely it's just you got to make sure other people around you are happy to keep going for for that. So yeah, yeah. to keep going and making sure you don't screw bikes up. 'Cause they're pretty good at the moment. So yeah, so as as other mechanics will say the other mechanics, you you can only screw this bike up. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: nice. so, All right.
0: Know. Good advice. We'll mm-hmm. hit our final four questions. The first of those is if our listeners had £150, pounds, which I think is about 255 Canadian dollar, uh, to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on?
1: Hmm. Well, it depends what type of bike in the first place, but 200, I would say what you need, what you need right away would be tires. Most mm-hmm. of the bikes come with, uh, entry level tires to, to keep that price point, not sky high and, and to make sure the bike's not really super heavy. So, cause usually the good tires with the good grip are a bit heavier. So yeah. I would say buy a set of Maxxis tires and use you, you Maxxis uh, uh, Max Grip Three C. Yep, and then you should be, uh, uh, which I believe tires are pretty. Ex- they're, they're I believe one hundred and twenty dollars a piece. So oh, there we yeah, go. They, that
0: fits perfectly.
1: Yeah, and the, so they do use up pretty quickly, but uh, you'll enjoy your uh, you'll enjoy your ride experience right away.
0: What's your go-to from the Maxis range at the moment? What do you find yourself on most of the time?
1: Uh, I'm very old-school person of uh, going Minion front and Minion rear, uh-huh. or DHR rear. But this summer, we uh, when I came back from Europe the first time, it was raining, and we had some shorties. Uh-huh. The, new the new shorty. Ones. The yeah. new shorty. And I put the new shorty on the front, and uh of my bike to give it a try because because uh as far as uh so- sometimes the athletes don't have time to test out tires or yeah. even try them out and say like oh i'm not too sure but and what is that tire going to do but i so we had a couple of them left over and i i decided to try one out and i rode it in the mud and i left it on in the dry and it okay. rode I would say almost as good as almost as good as my minion, and I got used to it, and I rode it for the rest of the season up front. Wow! And um right now, the uh, the bike's just over to my left, and I'm looking at it, and you can see all the inner. I did put a lot of mileage on it, and yeah, yeah people will say like, "Oh, it's not fast rolling," but I have ten kilometers to pedal to the chairlift in the summertime, and. Yep. Uh, so I'll usually sometimes I'll pedal to the chairlift and somebody has a truck and give me a ride back cuz I'm too tired too <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I've been trying to do that to be fitter but uh, yeah so but that that tire has done everything so this summer so which is good so yeah it's not the most rolling tire but it's gripped in all conditions on rocks roots uh, and handled the dirt really good so it's just stayed on there so yeah.
0: Fair play. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Second question. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give him? Don't worry. <laughs> were you a worrier when you were younger?
1: Uh, i probably still worry today. Just say, uh-huh. well, kind of, this is where I was telling you before with, uh, chalk up to experience on certain things of people letting you down and, uh, yeah. and, uh, not doing stuff, but, uh, and it's something I, I was actually speaking with someone a couple of days ago and told them like, I'm exact proof. If you work hard, you, you'll figure your shit out yeah. and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll figure stuff out and you'll work hard and you'll succeed. If you work hard, it doesn't mean you're going to succeed and, and say, do what, uh, what you set out to do. Yeah. Um, but, it doesn't mean, it, but you'll succeed at something. Yeah. So, if you work really hard and you're smart about it, you're uh, you have a head on your shoulders that you don't piss off anybody else. But uh, uh, if you work really hard, you'll succeed no matter what.
0: Oh, nice. good uh, I, advice. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Third one: If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be, and what would you want to learn from them?
1: That's a. That's a. That's a big question. Um, <laughs> coaching session from someone. I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, geez. Hmm. Um, I think there's many, many athletes and business people higher uh, up or, or in the past. So that, that, that's kind of probably have taught me already that that you're let's say you work hard and you'll succeed That's something um yeah. that's uh that's something like the so i i don't really know the answer to that question it's a okay. uh, it's to I, I it's something i wouldn't want to just blurt out and then listen to this and uh, next week and go like oh but this guy would have been the guy <laughs> that i would want but for for like example of what would have been to worry and stuff like that like uh so i bought uh uh, i bought with my girlfriend first house last year or a year before yeah and um so right now i'm 40 years old this year and an advice i i've given to younger friends is go out and buy something right away because i see i've seen other people do that type of thing and and no matter what kind of situation of course, if it's a reasonable thing there <laughs> and uh, if it's a reasonable I'll buy, it, but I go, no matter what I, I've always worried about contracts and, and uh, teams or whatever, but, uh, like, Oh, cause all, all these things are always like a year or a two year deal here, three year yeah. deal. I try to at most always sign for three years. So you can kind of have a sound thing for three years, yeah. but in the past, this made me super nervous, uh, but now it's a bit, I'm a bit more relaxed about it. Maybe used to it. Yeah. Uh, I always get advice as far like, yeah, go, go, do what you want to do. Like, uh, and as far as what I see people and realize what real estate's worth, uh, I should have bought a house when I was early twenties, when I, before markets went up way big time. And I see other other friends that I've done that who are very well successful and not worried about anything. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah, fair comment. Mm -hmm. All right, final one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you?
1: What do I do every day? Well, there's a couple of things that benefit to me. It's kind of something I do... uh, I'm sitting in the garage right now. I do like the garage. I come hang out in the garage, and uh, for for me, every day is a is a good thing, and not only for just my own fun thing, but uh, I do always have a bike in the rack, and always think about certain stuff and dream of certain parts, or try to think. Right right now, I kind of want to buy um, a 3D printing machine, but I've realized oh, yeah. that the uh, the one I would want is. Unaffordable, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I do that. And I've got the, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, two dogs, one's my girlfriends and one's mine, but, uh, I do spend time with them and that's beneficial to me. And Buck, uh, my, my dog, he's, uh, he's traveled with me and that, that's always beneficial as far as a good, um, it's always, He's always up for the challenge of whatever I decide on that day. And he doesn't argue too much. He doesn't pay for gas on road trips, but he's, he doesn't argue too
3: much.
1: So
0: <laughs> good. So. Awesome. What would be the first thing you'd print on a 3d printer if you had one?
1: Uh, right now I've got some prototype stuff in the mix. So, so I can't say, Okay, <laughs> but, uh, but just random, like random stuff I see out there, uh, just like th- those cool pump holders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Silly things, uh, stuff like that. And then uh, I looked at a couple of GoPro things to do. Then looking at the bikes, kind of, kind of. One thing that I, I'm i always kind of hard pressed is none, none of our sponsors have water bottle mints. Okay, yeah. And we always buy the specialized water bottle mount mm-hmm. yeah, that everybody likes, the side holder one. Yeah, yeah. Now, why? And I've asked a couple of other our part sponsors in the past. I go, can you make one? Like you make cool stuff. Like, could you make one? They go, ah, no, sorry. And they're like, could we work on one and make one and develop it? Like, I don't care. I just want some for the team and I want to stop buying them. Yeah. Um. And uh. I hate that it's another bike brand that all the athletes prefer. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Uh, it's cause it's, uh, so, but, uh, so last year, the silk, I sent an email to silka and they sent us a couple of cool Thai ones. And I really oh, nice. like those. And, and uh, somebody said, but those cool Thai ones. Looks like the cheap $5 one, <laughs> uh, $5 steel ones. And somebody said this year, like, Oh, yeah. Uh, why do you put the cheap water bottle holders on there? <laughs> and they're like, they're, they're like a hundred bucks. These things each, they're really cool. They're titanium. And, uh, well, you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, that's kind of like it, it. Connor runs them. He likes them. And I like them. A couple of athletes really like them. So I yeah. would like a full blown sponsor. or if anybody wants to, develop one it'd be pretty cool
0: there we go (laughs) get in touch yeah
1: yeah exactly get in touch all i want is a all i want is a 3d printer (laughs) nice
0: good stuff cool and um if people want to follow you guys and find out what you're up to where's the best place for them to look
1: uh well if you want to look at my Instagram is just basically Zupel and um then all of our sponsors are actually listed on there. You follow Connor's cool. Instagram, follow the other athletes I work with's Instagrams, so there's uh there's uh there there's I can't say much, but there's a lot in the works for next year. Okay so which is very exciting.
0: Interesting. So, Watch so, this space
1: yeah yeah exactly well it's exciting to me hopefully it's exciting to everyone else <laughs> Good stuff.
2: Nice
0: yeah. one. well it's been super interesting finding out more about your your career so far sounds like there's plenty more interesting stuff to come and yeah look forward to seeing how it goes over the coming seasons but yeah best of luck
1: yeah thank you very much
0: nice one Thanks Thanks for having me.
1: cheers <laughs> All
0: right. That's it for this episode with Matthew. I really hope you enjoyed it. A massive thanks to Nukeproof. They've just launched their autumn winter range of clothing, which you can check out over at nukeproof.com. If you want to be in with a chance of winning one of their awesome blackline waterproof jackets, along with some Sam Hill signature grips and pedals, then you can head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash nukeproof before the 9th of December and answer a simple question to be entered into a prize draw. Also, a massive thanks to We Are One Composites. Don't forget that as a downtime listener, you can get 15% off all of their rim only products by using the code WE Supply 2021 over at the checkout on We One That's WE Supply, all lowercase, all one word, followed by the number 2021 over on We One That code's valid for November 21, so if you want some, you better not hang about. Don't forget to add a downtime EP subscription and a downtime hoodie or t-shirt to your Christmas list and start dropping hints to whoever you want to get it for you. Or you could pick up a sub or some merch for your partner who rides, your riding buddies, or even as a nice little treat for yourself. For EP subscriptions, head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. And for hoodies and t-shirts, then all you need is at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All the links are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, there's a few things you can do to help out. The most important is just to spread the word and tell your rider mates about the podcast, because quite simply, the more people listen, the easier it is for me to keep the podcast going. You can also share the episodes on your social media. It's an awesome way to spread the word and get some buzz going around the episodes. And a review over on Apple Podcasts is really helpful too. All right, we're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon, but until then, get out and ride.